Welcome to the Driveway Beers Podcast with Mike and Alex. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Please like, subscribe, comment, and share on any platform that you're listening on. Alright, welcome back to another show. Thanks for coming back. It is January 1st, 2023. So I want to wish everybody a happy new year. I hope your holidays were great. And uh, we're going to kick off this new year. Uh, I'm kicking it off on my own. Uh, Mike will be back for the next episode. Um, got a few things just want to hit on. Kind of recapping some of the things we talked about last year a little bit. Uh, one, the uh, how did I do betting this year on the NFL? Uh, talk about the Ravens a little bit too for all you Ravens fans out there. Um and even a little bit of the playoff uh playoff implications for this week. Right now I'm at it's, it's Monday night or Sunday night watching the Ravens Steelers right now. Looks like it's gonna be three three going into halftime. Getting a little chippy right now. Um then I also want to talk about some T V shows and movies that I thought were really good this year. Um the movie part will probably surprise you. And the TV shows, I thought they made some really, really good TV series, uh, or at least put them out this year. I thought that was, they did a really good job, and some of them I was super surprised with. Um, some I, I watched because my wife wanted to watch them, and, and they kind of took me by surprise in the fact that I actually liked them as well. Um, and then also talk about some car stuff, because obviously I'm still looking for a car, so... Um, oddly enough, as I'm talking, the Ravens just scored a touchdown going into halftime. So it looks like it's going to be 10, three going into the half. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about the Ravens Steelers right now. This is a, an interesting, interesting game right now because Ravens are already in playing without Lamar. Uh, and the Steelers are playing basically to get back to 500. I, I'm not sure if their playoff hopes are still, uh, still there or not. But if the Steelers don't go 500, this will be Mike Tomlin's first losing season ever, which is incredible in my mind. Um, Mike Tomlin, probably one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL um, for what he's done. Now, granted, he had Ben Roethlisberger uh, for a good amount of those years, but even when there were years when he got hurt or or big pieces got hurt on that squad, um, managed to keep that team afloat. Um, never really had to go through a rebuilding period. Although I guess we're, we're going to find out if Kenny Pickett's the real deal or not in the, in the coming years. Cause he got a nice little trial, but I don't, I don't know if he's, uh, if he's going to be the, the, the one they dance with full time, but we'll see. Um, my betting this year, which was interesting because we had had Jeremy Kahn on from one Oh five, seven, the fan talking about betting earlier in the year. Now I had some extremely awful takes. One of which was, I thought the Raiders were going to win the AFC West, which did not happen. In fact, that team pretty much imploded for most of the year. And now Derek Carr basically got benched and sent home. Like they didn't even want him on the sideline, which I'm surprised about because it sounded like he was the one backing the, the current team earlier in the year when they were getting a lot of criticism and then on top of that, Devontae Adams went to the Raiders because he wanted to play with Derek Carr. Those two are really close from their days back in college. By alienating Carr, I wonder if they're also realized they, they might be alienating Devontae Adams, um, who might force his way out in a trade because they've definitely given uh, Derek Carr his, uh, his freedom to seek out a trade. So <coughs> that's going to be an interesting... Uh, off-season uh, issue going forward because David Carr is not that bad. You got to consider the coaching turnover that's happened in Oakland slash Las Vegas over his tenure there. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Jason Campbell for all you Commanders fans out there. Jason Campbell had decent statistics. He threw for over sixty percent. Uh, seemed to take care of the ball pretty well. But he had, I believe, seven offensive coordinators in seven years, and he just he never was in a good situation to succeed. I think David Carr is in that similar kind of situation there. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see what he can do in another situation. 
right? Maybe with some stability. And I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that later, but with my, uh, my betting against the spread record this year, and I have no idea if this is good or bad. I know I'm on the plus side of 500, which is generally pretty good, but is it good as far as regular betters go? I have no idea. So right now I'm 104 and 86 and seven, uh, with $30 bets, uh, that's uh, a net positive of about two hundred and fifty-six dollars uh, over the course of a season. Now, some would say, you know, that's a lot of work for a little bit of reward, right? But at the same time, um, it you know, two two hundred fifty-six dollars isn't anything to really sneeze at, right? Especially for an amateur at this. It's not like I'm a professional. I'm not doing deep dives every week. I'm picking who I think is going to win. Um, looking at the injury reports, that kind of stuff, but I'm not going to deep dives and seeing who's having emotional trauma this week. You know what I mean? Like, uh, who, who's, uh, who, who, uh, whose best friend is also their cook told them to go screw themselves or something like that. Like, I, I don't know who's getting, I, I don't, I don't get that deep into things. So for just an average guy like myself to go 104, 86 and seven, I think that's not a bad season. It's, it's positive, right? I mean, you're up on the. You're up on the casino at that point. The area where I think I've kind of unlocked a little bit of a hidden secret, and people probably laugh because it, look, this is betting, right? I'm, this is not life advice. Don't if you don't have money to gamble away and lose, don't bet it. Obviously, um, but one of the things I seem to have kind of hit on, <coughs> excuse me, with these thirty dollar bets are three-team parlays or three-leg three, three leg parlays for the most part. Um, I'm about $1,000 up on the casino with the three-team parlay bets. or the, And for me, they're mostly three teams. I don't usually do like two teams in an over-under. I've done it once in a while, um, but for the most part, it's been three teams against the spread. Very rarely will I throw in a money line bet in there. Um, into the parlay. Now I'll, I'll do money line bets on their own, uh, but I usually don't throw them into a parlay. So for me, the three team parlay bet against the spread has netted me just over a thousand dollars on the plus side. <coughs> now keep in mind, it also might have to do with the style of betting. So for me, it's $30 on a bet. That's it. That's the max I go. Um, so when you're going against the spread, it's $30 per team against the spread. Um, and with the parlays, it's $30 on a parlay. Now a $30 three team parlay will usually net you between 170 and 190, depending on whether they're plus 100 or plus 110 or plus 120. It depends on what, how that is. Um, so for me, that that really worked out well was the three-team parlay because I could usually make about two to three three-team parlay bets. So you're looking 30, 60, 90. If you hit one of them, you're plus 100 on the payout, right? Or actually, if you hit one of them, you're, you're you know, plus 150-ish because you're going to lose two. You lose, your one six, you lose 60, right? But if you're gaining 180, you're, you're, you're in the plus 130, 150 range. Um, and that's a winning week. Right. Um, whenever I tried to do a four leg parlay, it never worked out. I didn't hit one of those. Uh, it didn't. It didn't matter whether I did three teams and an over under. If I did four teams against the spread, none of those hit for me. And I know those are the, the eye grabbers because the odds are so good. Like you put down thirty to win three thirty. Right. You're talking about pl- uh, uh, a multiplier of uh, of. Uh, 10 times your cash there for me. It didn't work out. Didn't work out. Um, so that was my little hidden gem up next year. Will I bet against the spread the full slate? Probably not. Um, it did make the week fun though. I will say that. And this is where betting comes into play, right? Why, why do people do it? Well, especially if you're not winning any money, it's fun right? Some people would say it could be an addiction, but it's, it it makes every game fun or at least interesting to watch when 
you really have no interest in it. Like, for example, tomorrow night's game, I have no interest in the Bills or the Bengals, really. But because I've got a $30 bet on it, I'll probably watch it and watch it with some interest. Um, but again, though, is that a reason to bet it? Probably not. Um, but that, considering where I was earlier in the year, picking that horrible Las Vegas thing, I also picked the Lions to win the AFC North. That's not going to happen. Although the Lions are making a push, they're eight and eight. They could get in the playoffs, um, which is further than a lot of people thought the Lions would go. Right. Uh, but because Minnesota just they sprinted out of the gate, um, they're they're gonna they're gonna take that. They're twelve and four right now, so they're gonna win that North. Um, and lo and behold, look, Aaron Rodgers in the hunt. I mean, you've got Detroit at eight and eight, Green Bay at eight and eight, Seattle's eight and eight. Uh, I think Giants locked in a spot at nine and six. So uh, there's basically three teams going for that last and final playoff spot in the NFC. Um, and never count Aaron Rodgers out. That guy, it's funny. It's like every year that team seems to start off slow. And he goes into the press conference and says, guys, don't worry. It's early. It's early. Well, this year, I mean, they got going a little bit later than they normally would. But it looks like, I mean, if they win, uh, they might be able to sneak in the playoffs and no one, no one ever wants to face Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Just like, look, Tampa Bay at eight and eight. You know, if they get in, nobody wants to play them in the playoffs. Nobody. Um, another surprise team for me this year: the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, second half of the season, they've been just on fire. And look, say what you want about Doug Peterson and the way he left Philadelphia, which was strange. Um, for him to go down in Jacksonville and turn uh, Ronnie Bass into something special down there. Um, next year, if you're playing fantasy football, man, uh, that Lawrence kid better better be on your draft board because they throw the ball around and, and he's doing really good things down there. I mean, I watched that game today. Granted, it was against the Texans and they're, you know, they're not playing for anything. But he looked really poised. He looked like the ball was coming out on time, and he looked accurate. So I would say next year you could probably sneak him in in your fantasy football drafts. You could probably sneak him in probably, I'd say, rounds 7, 8, 9, 10 even. He, it, people saw him, but they're not going to go reaching for the guy. Um, so – just that, that's my thoughts on the NFL season right there. I'd be interested. The playoffs are going to be fun, Ra- especially uh, Ravens are in. Is Lamar gonna? Is Lamar coming back? Is the big question. No one really knows how bad that knee injury is. Um, so it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see if he comes back and plays. Um, if he does, that's great for Baltimore, right? If not. I think, and this isn't a knock on Tyler Huntley, who's the backup quarterback for the Ravens, but I think the Ravens got to look at what life without Lamar is going to look like if they decide to go with Tyler Huntley next year um, or decide to move on from Lamar and somewhere in the near future. Uh, I think with this style offense, it's Lamar or nothing. or It's basically sign Lamar or clear, clean house. As far as like the offensive coordinator goes, the the style of offense you're running, you're going to have to clean house because there aren't many people who are as dynamic as Lamar Jackson that could run this offense. And no, don't get me wrong. I mean, how many people out there are as dynamic as him, right? In his specialty. I mean, the guy's a freak athlete, great arm strength. His accuracy could use a little bit on the deep ball. Um, but there's nothing in the past what, three, four years that would suggest that he's not going to go into the off season and work on that. He's gotten progressively better. I believe over the last four years. Um, and he cares, he cares about winning and he's a good individual. I hope the Ravens resign him. The problem is, is I don't think the Ravens are sold completely on him 
one because of his injuries the last two seasons. Um, now if you're going to pay someone, you know, forty-five to fifty million a year, which is where this contract is probably heading, I mean, the, the franchise tag for a quarterback in 2023 is likely to hit forty-five million dollars. Um, if you're going to lock up that much money into a quarterback you would like to have some durability. I'm not going to say durability because he's been fairly durable. It's just the last two seasons, but the whole knock on him was he couldn't sustain the style of play for the long haul. And unfortunately, some of those rumors, some of that intuition is coming true, right? But let's say the Ravens decide to move on from Lamar. They're going to franchise, they're going to put the franchise tag on regardless, right? but they'll be able to sign and trade him if they do that. One of the things that I thought might be an interesting move, and I, I'm i not an insider, I don't know anything, no one's told me this, putting my general manager hat on from the basement of my house, which tells you all you need to know about this theory, is what if the Ravens did a sign and trade with Lamar to the Las Vegas Raiders? for Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. And I know you're screaming at me. The offense isn't set up like that. There's no way. Why would they do that? Well, look, Derek Carr is dead to them anyway, right? He's going to have a fairly friendly cap hit, and he's probably going to be willing to rework the contract to get even friendlier. I believe he's a $35 million cap hit next year. You can probably work, rework that contract and get it down to about $30 million. Devontae Adams, I believe, is a $14 million cap hit. So if you can get that down, you're at $44 million between the two of them. Lamar was going to be a $45 million cap hit. So you get probably the best wide receiver in the game and a very decent quarterback, right? <clears throat> you're going to let Greg Roman go. That's pretty much known. The new offensive coordinator coming in is going to want a more uh, – uh, a more standard quarterback, a more pocket, more of a pocket passer. Most coordinators in this league, that's what they want. And you're going to keep the two guys that want to be together together. It keeps them happy, right? It brings them to a stable organization, not the Raiders. Look, much as you want to say about the Raiders, it's the most unstable organization in this league or one of, right? So you bring them over as a package, for the quarterback, you probably weren't going to re-sign anyway because you don't want to guarantee him that kind of money because you have questions about his durability because you have questions about whether Greg Roman can make an offense work around him. Okay? So Greg Roman, gone. You don't know anyone else in this league that could run that kind of an offense or that even has the playbook that he does. So not, no one else is offensive playbook is going to match up with Lamar's skill set, right? So why not try and get something for him? And if you can go get Devontae Adams without giving up a draft pick, and keep in mind, Devontae Adams is not going to be happy that Derek Carr, one, got benched, and two, isn't going to be there next year. He went to Las Vegas to play with Derek Carr. So, if you can snag him with Derek Carr, basically you're taking the money off the books for the Raiders, for a guy they need to trade, basically, at this point. Then the other part of this that I was thinking about was DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a cap casualty. I believe he holds like a $42 million cap hit next year. And the Arizona Cardinals are not going to are not going to let him take that kind of cap hit next year. They're just not going to know. And he's certainly not going to sign a team friendly extension for them. Um, so what if you could sign him as a free agent after you have Derek Carr and you bring in Devonte Adams? So now it, it, you could have Adams and DeAndre Hopkins and you're talking 
all three of them might take up 60 mil on your cap. No, actually 54 mil on your cap because you could probably get DeAndre Hopkins to be a 12 million dollar cap hit once you once you sign him to a, a reasonable contract. They're they're going to let Marcus Peters go, so that cap is not going to be there for the Ravens. They're going to want to sign Roquan Smith because he he changed that defense the day he got there, and he probably saved Mike McDonald's job to be honest with you. But with that being said, if you make those moves, which I think you can fit all of that under the cap, and then you take your draft picks and you sign and you draft an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman, and another cornerback, um, especially you would probably need a, a right tackle or maybe a, a right guard. It, it all and again that depends on Ronnie Stanley's health. I mean, maybe you can get a left tackle to be insurance for Ronnie Stanley. But either way, you can use your draft picks then to grab offense and defensive line. Because your defensive lineman, Calais Campbell, probably maybe will retire. If not, you've only got one more season with him. Um, and the Ravens develop D linemen. They always have. They've taken a couple D linemen in the second, third, fourth round, and they just, they're able to develop them. So draft toward your strengths, right? If you, you haven't been able to develop a wide receiver since Torrey Smith, and that was even a kind of iffy, right? Would you get a thousand, 1000 yard season on him? So if that means that you need to go out and trade and do some free agent signings for wide receivers, and you draft what you're good at, which is, you know, you draft some old linemen, you draft some D linemen. You're you're automatically now with with those three on your offense. Plus, you got Gus and J.K. Dobbins and Mark Andrews. Still, you're gonna if you bring in the right offensive coordinator, you're one of the top. Uh, you're one of the top offenses in the league. And. Not only that, but you've made a dramatic shift from this, you know, run first style offense that nobody else can run into a more traditional offense where the offensive coordinators, you know, they're not as important to the offense as Greg Roman is to this offense. Because I think one of the reasons why they didn't let Greg Roman go was because that there is no other offensive coordinator that can tailor a game around Lamar like Greg Roman is. Um, but some would say his offense has been to the detriment of Lamar because he hasn't had to make those those passes, right? Or the, he, he wasn't asked enough to do that to get better at them in, during a game. So, you know, those are legitimate questions. Um do I think they could get DeAndre Hopkins to sign with the Ravens? I mean, the the question has always been, you know, no, no receivers will sign here because they don't want to play in that Greg Roman offense. Um, you know, Marquise Brown wanted wanted out of Baltimore not because of Lamar, but because of the offense with Greg Roman. He he knew. I mean, he had a thousand yard season. But I think he kind of saw in the back of his mind that that was not going to be the norm. That was going to be the exception. But now if you bring in a new offensive coordinator, you bring in a quarterback that, you know, has had a 4,000-yard passing season. You know, he's completes 65% of his passes with the exception of this year. You've got another legit wide receiver on the other side in, in Devontae Adams. I think this signing with the Ravens now becomes – a very intriguing possibility for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but whether that's even something on Eric DeCosta's mind, I'm not, I, I doubt it. I doubt it because it, you would literally have to be thinking completely outside the box, it, it, outside of anything that's on your roster right now, basically. Um, <coughs> and, Again, I, I have no idea. I don't have any insight to this. I haven't heard anyone even talking about it. So 
again, from, from my GM chair in my basement, that's a direction I would go and at least explore. Because it, once you brought in Derek Carr, who for the most part people think, you know, people think highly of, he's a good individual. Um, once you bring him in with Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams is the key to all this, right? Because once you bring him in, you get rid of the notion that receivers don't want to come to Baltimore. Well, he's here and he's signed. You know, and you've also got Rashad Bateman already on the roster. So even if you don't bring in D Hop, you'll have Adams, Rashad Bateman if he can stay healthy, Duvernay, and and now you're placing these guys maybe in their more correct slot and rather than a one and a two, they're now a number two and a three. Duvernay goes in the slot, Bateman's the other out, out wide receiver, and you know. It, yeah, you know, and maybe that allows them to flourish. Plus, I mean, shoot, they found a nice receiver in this Robinson kid, right? So now you go from having one of the worst wide receiver rooms to having one of the best. And if you bring in, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, that's what I'm saying. You 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 automatically become one of the best offenses in the league. Um, but that's my thoughts on that. Will they do it? Doubt it. Doubt it. But maybe they'll think about it because that would – this defense is going to be set up – with the signing of Roquan Smith, this defense is going to be set up real nice. Um, this defense seems to really be playing well under Mike McDonald's defense now. now don't, everyone's going to point to the early early season letdowns with the with the lost leads and all that stuff. But yeah, they, they seem to have kind of gotten over that. Um. And when you let Marcus Peters go, as much as he makes big plays, he also makes some bonehead plays. And it seems to be like every other week, you know, one week it's the bonehead play where he lets up on a guy and the guy goes by him and, and he gets like a first down or a couple extra yards, uh, or he makes the hit out of bounds or, or the pass interference. Like something happens where it's just like, Oh, I can't believe this guy. Um, but then there's other weeks where he's pulling out a game-winning interception, right? So I, I think he's going to end up gone, and they can either draft a replacement for him or they can try and coach up someone that that can play stable cornerback for them. I'm not saying he's got to be a superstar, but stable, okay? But oh, we'll see. The Ravens don't listen to me. In fact, they don't even know the show exists, so... Uh, they're not going to hear about it. Anyway, all right, moving on. <laughs> I want to talk about TV shows. Because movies for me this year were a little bit of a letdown. Let's go movies first, okay? Some of the movies that surprised me this year, and some of them were later came later in the year, was this, uh, this movie Slumberland with Jason Momoa. That was a good movie. Like, I couldn't, like, I didn't think it was going to be as good as it was, but it was such a good storyline. I thought it was, it was original. Um, and in my opinion, I think Jason Momoa is a really underrated actor. I can't believe I'm saying this because I remember when he came, he kind of came along game of Thrones and he was just like this grunting Neanderthal of a human being who had some, you know, a really nice looking body, you know, you would think that was what he was going to be, right? That was his niche in the acting world. But as time went on, I mean, I liked him in Aquaman and I liked him in the Slumberland movie. I thought he did really well. Other movies, you're going to be surprised. So a lot of the movies I liked this year were basically kids movies. Like that's what I kind of got into. Um, uh, it's probably because I also have kids, and that's what we end up watching. But, like, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, I thought was a great movie. Um, DC Super League of Pets, I thought that was a funny movie. Minions, Rise of Gru, I just like the Minions movies. I think they're great. I mean, was this one better than the originals? No, not, not really, because the novelty of the Minions is kind of worn off. I do like uh, the Despicable Me movies where there's more, uh, more Gru in there. I, I, I 
I hope they keep making those. Um, the Bad Guys was a good kid movie as well. Now, for adult movies, not like adult movies, but you know what I mean. <clears throat> um, let's see. Top Gun Maverick was my number one movie of the year. By far. Uh, I actually paid money to go to the theater to watch this with my wife. It was great. One, and Mike and I have talked about this before, the movie stands alone, even if it's not a sequel, right? Let's just say it was called Maverick. It wasn't called Top Gun. Even if it didn't tug on the heartstrings and it didn't pull on nostalgia, that movie was good on its own, okay? Um, I am not a Tom Cruise fan. To be honest, I haven't seen any of those Mission Impossible movies. I think he's just kind of a corny actor. But I thought the rest of the cast almost held him up a little bit. Um, Not that I'm a huge Miles Teller fan either, but like I've said this before, Miles Teller has that face you want to punch. But every time I see him in a TV or movie, I can't help but like the 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 product that he puts out. And that's, there's got to be something to say for that. I mean, I think he was, uh, he also did war dogs, which I thought was a decent movie. Um, and he, you know, he did one, one of the shows from last year that I thought was one of the best out there, which was the offer. That was the, uh, the, the mini series. It was a 10 episode TV series about how, uh, the movie, the Godfather got made. It was just really well done. The The entire cast in that thing was really good. But Miles Teller did a really, really good job. Um, and again, it, it, it shocks me to say it because you look at the guy and you're just like, gosh, you, you just I just want to punch this dude. He looks annoying as hell. Or he, he just looks like an arrogant prick. But the, the guy produces a good, entertaining piece of art. Um, and that's what he's there to do. Right. Right. Um, all right. So another movie I thought was good. I feel like comedies have taken a big backseat and there aren't that many out there. Um, but one I thought that was really good with, 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 uh, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum was, uh, the lost city or no, sorry, just called lost city, not the lost city. I'm a I'm a sucker for Channing Tatum uh, and Sandra Bullock. I think Sandra Bullock has some really good comedic chops, even though she's not known as a comedic actress. But I think she's got really good. She does really well in comedic roles, in my opinion. Um, or even if she's like the straight man, right? I think it was what the proposal with Ryan Reynolds that she did. Um, I thought she was really good in that as the straight uh, as the straight lead in that. I thought. And Ryan Reynolds was the comic in that. Uh, so, I, you know, I like what she does. She does really good things. She was uh, The Heat, I believe, was the other one with uh, Melissa McCarthy. She was the straight straight actor in that one, too. I don't want to call her a straight man because she's not a man. But you know what I mean? She's she's not the she's not the comic relief in the movie. But somehow she kind of brings... She, she, she can deadpan some comedy in there where some of the things she says are funny, even though she's not supposed to be funny. Um, so anything she puts out, I'll tend to watch and Channing Tatum. I I think I liked him in, uh, in that second Kingsman movie too, even though he was, I think he was frozen for half of it, but whatever, (coughs) excuse me, got the coughs tonight. Um, and the other one that I thought was funny, but it wasn't, it was set up more of an action slash drama and then comedy was built in because of who was in it. And that was the man for man from Toronto. And that was with Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, I think is one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood. He, um, he does such a nice job. Like he can do comedy. He can do serious roles. I mean, look, what was the, um, he's in one of the best horror movies ever made. And I can't think of the name. Um, but it's like him and Jesse Eisenberg and that name will come to me in a little bit, but 
he did those movies and uh you can't see me the the ones with the magicians the two with the magicians um i thought he did i thought those were really good movies um that most people wouldn't think would be good movies uh so those are some of the movies now the tv shows that i watched um This year, we watched the. We were watching the, the making. Uh, so the the TV show, the Chippendales, to is basically the documentary or the <coughs> the uh, dramatization of how Chippendales came to be. It wasn't about just dudes dancing around, uh, but it was really interesting to watch that. I'm, I'm still watching that. I haven't finished it yet. Uh, I, I mentioned the offer before. Uh, Yellowstone was a big one for us this year. I think we watched about three seasons of that, maybe four. We're up to the current season, whatever it is. We really enjoyed that much more than we thought we would. Um, the lady that plays Beth in that, the, the daughter, man, she's scary. Like she scares the crap out of me. Like there, there are people out there like that. that are just so cutthroat and everything like that. And they just go for the jugular, whatever, with whatever they're doing, man, that's scary. But she she plays that role really well, um, and one we just got done with. There's two seasons of it, and I thought I was gonna hate this. Only murders in the building. Only murders in the building. At least from the commercials I saw, it looks so corny. It has. Uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short, who seem to want to do everything together now. And look, I'm a huge fan of that old movie, The Three Amigos, which they're both in with Chevy Chase. And Steve Martin did, you know, The Jerk and a bunch of other movies from like 80s, 90s, even the 70s. I mean, the, the guy is a legend. Steve uh, Martin Short wasn't really my cup of tea. <coughs> but Steve Martin, I thought, was always phenomenal. But then toward his later years, he started doing more of the stuff with Martin Short uh, that was just kind of more about them being really, really silly. Um, which I guess is is on par with them. It just wasn't as funny as it was for them in the past. So we got the recommendation to watch Only Murders in the Building. And are they corny together? Yes. But Selena Gomez in that really kind of pulls them together. It's like they know they're corny and she's kind of pulling them, reining them in in real time in in the show. So it's just a really interesting dynamic um <coughs> and it's a show about basically a, a building in New York City and I'm going to get to that in a minute too and there's a murder in the building and then these guys start a podcast to Basically, try it's like one of those uh, murder mystery podcasts where they try and figure out who the killer is, and they do, and then they oddly enough they do a second season because there's another murder in the building, and then they're the ones that are uh, accused of doing it. And I don't want to give away too much, but um, it was it's really well done, and something that should probably have only been one season. They did a second season, which I thought was just really as good as the first um and and that's saying something <coughs> by the way that that Woody Harrelson movie Zombieland which is amazing so um he's also in I forgot Natural Born Killers I forgot he's in White Man Can't Jump uh, Now You See Me is the is the card is the, is the magician movie um he was in No Country for Old Men good gosh 
uh, and Kingpin. How could I forget Kingpin? So the guy, the guy's got a a list of movies that he's done is amazing. So Woody Harrelson, one of my top actors. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so only murders in the building. Pod. It, so it's funny. It's based off a podcast. Oddly enough, so it's a I'm a podcast talking about a TV show about a podcast. <laughs> but anyway, um, just uh. If you're not watching it, watch it. You'll like it. It's it's nice and light too. I know it's about murders and all, but it's it's um. When you watch Yellowstone, it's a heavy show, right? There's a lot going on, a lot of drama. <coughs> There's some drama in Only Murders in the Building, but it's light drama. Like I will say this: those two definitely bring some levity to to the show, where it's it's serious but not serious, right? And there are good twists and turns to it, which I thought was great. So, those those are my you know, movies to watch or TV shows to watch. Now, there are some movies I want to see. Um, and so there, this one wasn't a very well known movie, but Brian Cranston was in it, and it was called Jerry and Marge Go Large. And it's about these two retirees that basically try and hit it big by playing the lottery. And they found a system where they can win a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And I just thought, it, Brian Cranston's such a good actor. It's like, why would he do this kind of movie? Like this, really, It didn't get much publicity. I think it went straight to Netflix or something. I was like, why would he do this? But... It looks really interesting. It's something that hasn't been done before. And in this day and age, everything's a remake or everything's a superhero movie. So for me, anything that's kind of new and interesting, I'll at least want to take a look at. Plus, it looks funny. Uh, Like I said before, I think comedies have kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. Probably, I mean, they probably don't make any money at the box office, and that's why they're not making them. Um, But that doesn't mean they're not enjoyable. And I think people are more apt to watch them on the streaming services. The problem for streaming services is they can see how many people watch them because they, they, they keep a log of it, but they don't know. They don't know if it's going to be successful until they put it out there. And then even if you put it out there, if you don't promote it like a regular movie, how are people going to know to go watch it? So it's really hard for them to f- figure out if what they're paying for is worth it. Um, and I really don't know how, I mean, I, look, I, I, and we say, well, look at the, look at the numbers on the views, right? Yeah. But you, the other thing is like, you, you don't know if people are signing up because of that movie or if people are not canceling their membership because of that movie, that's where the real dollar value is other than having a, a huge library of content. So I think that's where some of these streaming services are starting to kind of, they're trying to figure out like how much content do I need to put out there to keep people from unsubscribing and what can we do to keep people to subscribe? And that's a hard way to put, it's hard to put a number on that by just using number of views, right? I'll be interested to know how they actually figure that out. Like how, are they paying – do big actors bring in more subscriptions? I mean, at this point, I mean, can Netflix really bring in more? They, or is everyone that was going to subscribe subscribed? You know, they might have some people that subscribe for a month, binge everything they want, wait six months, and sign up again for one month. I mean, who knows? I would love to know how they figure that out, though, and if it's working. Because you always you hear a bunch of layoffs have happened in Netflix and some of these other streamers. Uh, and I wonder if it's because of lack of new signups or whatnot. Uh, like even with like Disney Plus, I mean Disney. So Disney went from zero, had zero subscribers before the pandemic. Got a bunch of subscribers, and then as the price went up, I'm sure people left. I wonder if they're they're making money on that. Yeah. 
I can't imagine it costs that much money to run. You're talking about server farms. It's not, it's not like it, other than producing content, which if you're going to produce content for movie theaters anyway, and you have a whole stable of content that you can put out, I wonder if they made more money by licensing it to Netflix like they used to, like their old catalog, or if they're making more money now by going direct to the customer and having the server farms and the, and the technicians to run it. That'd be an interesting question to ask uh, the executives at, at, at Disney one day. Um, anyway, the uh, the other movie, I, I feel like Brad Pitt put out a couple movies this year, one of which was Bullet Train. I'd like to see that. Um, but it's not one of those, like, I, some of these movies is like, look, if I've got time and I'm not doing anything else, sure, I'll watch it. But I don't feel like I'm setting aside, okay, this Thursday, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to watch this movie. I, none of these are that. Um, I believe the Adam Sandler one that people told me to watch was Hostel. That's not right. That's not the right movie. Let me take a quick minute and look this up. Um, but like, I, I feel like there's nothing out there <coughs> other than Top Gun Maverick, which I actually went to the theater for, that's been... Saying, "Hey, look, you gotta, you gotta set aside some time, and you gotta, and you gotta watch this. This is a must-see movie." By the way, the Adam Sandler one is called Hustle. I just couldn't read my own handwriting. Someone told me that was a very good movie. Um, I feel like Sandler's last couple of movies, like Uncut Gems, I heard was phenomenal. And then you've got this one with Hustle. Like, these are more serious roles. Another another comedian that kind of went that route was Steve Carell. Where, yes, he was still funny in these movies. But the role was more of a straight role. It wasn't a comedic role. Uh, he brought some comedy to it with his delivery of certain lines. But he it, it wasn't meant for him to be comedian first. Actor second. Um, I wonder if Sandler is now going in that direction, where he'll bring he'll bring that comedic presence, but he's not in the movie as a comic. And I think for Carell that was a great pivot for him. Like he I mean, he was doing the forty year old virgin, yeah that that was a pure comedic role, right? But when he did like Dan in real life, uh, the, and he played that guy in the way, way back and then some other movies, um, I forgot the one he did with like Brian Cranston, but he, he played, a, like he showed his chops as an actor, not as a comedian, but again, he brought some comedic relief. Now, don't get me wrong, though. I still think his best role that I've ever seen him in was Dinner for Schmucks. That's a hilarious movie. If you've never seen it, it's it's him and Paul Rudd. And it's for me, that was such a well-written movie. Like, it's a silly movie. It's a super silly movie. But it was really well done. Um, like, it's not one of those, like, cheap comedy movies that's, you know... It, it was done really well. Uh, but that's that's me for movies. I'm still watching this Ravens game while I'm recording this. <coughs> right now it's 13-3, I believe. Waiting for the replay down. Uh, TJ Watt just blasted Tyler Huntley. Morgan Moses is just getting worked by this dude. Which doesn't surprise me. TJ Watt's one of the best defensemen in the league, for crying out loud. Give Morgan Moses some help. Put a tight end on his side. But what do I know? I'm not a I'm not an NFL coach. But that's 13-6, by the way, not 13-3. I will say this Tyler Huntley looks better than he has in the past few weeks. He looks like he's settling in. And maybe Greg Roman has kind of given him some some better some plays that better suit his ability. He's really hitting Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. Not really focusing on the wide receivers. Not trying to even get them the ball. 
but they're up 13-6. By the way, if they win this game tonight, which, I mean, we got a minute left in the third, so there's still a lot of time left. Uh, that early season call where I said the, the Ravens would win over 10 games, well, this will get them to 11. So this will be a one of the preseason bets that I put out there that'll win. The, uh, the Lamar for MVP, definitely not going to win. The Lions bet, not going to win. The, uh, shoot, what was the other? The Lions, uh, the Raiders one, not going to win. And the Ravens to win the AFC, could still win. They're going to get the playoffs. We're going to find out. If they get to that Super Bowl, that'll be a nice winning bet right there too. But I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, unless Lamar comes back and is just Superman on the field. You know what I mean? Because uh, I think this, this defense is just cooking right now. So if Lamar comes back and gives them that little spark where, you know, they're scoring you know, 25 points a game versus like, you know, 16, 17, that's, that's enough to make, you can win with that in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Uh, last topic of the night though, we're going to pivot. I, 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 I'm not doing any good transitions tonight. Car talk. Uh, I keep looking for certain cars and unfortunately because I'm looking for older ones, these 2004, 5, 6 Yukon Denali's are getting harder and harder to come by. And uh, oddly enough, I'm finding it harder to get dealerships to respond to me via email. I, I think because they probably get so many tire kickers that if I gave them a phone call, they're probably going to be more likely to respond to me if I send an email after a phone call. But I haven't gotten to that point yet. I haven't gotten to that point of desperation yet. Um also thought about just getting a minivan. I found I can get like a 2012 Honda Odyssey with about 110,000 miles for right around 9,000, 9, I do think prices are going to come down in January though. Um, just because I think you're going to see more and more used car inventory come out on the market. And I've been saying this for a little while. <coughs> there, there's been a glut of bank repos on used and new cars for that matter. Um, one of the indicators that it's gotten pretty bad is that uh, I don't know the exact term for it, but banks are approving customers for loans that have had a prior repossession. And that wasn't normally the case. Um, but because they're allowing that now, so basically someone can go into a new car dealership, get approved for a new car loan even though they've had a bank repossession in the last year or in the last six months, that to me means that there are a lot of bank repossessions and people are coming into the dealership with this on their credit report. And unless they want car sales to stall, the banks are having to do this. Otherwise they're not going to be able to make the amount of loans that they need in order to make money. Um, it's, it's a very interesting, it was an interesting piece of information. Now, the other part of it is, is you're also seeing car, new car dealers starting to deal more. Now, some are, some aren't, uh, I still think Toyota is on like a six month lag from when you order the car. <coughs> but if you go to a, a Dodge or Chrysler dealership, there are cars there. Uh, when I drove by a Nissan dealership, there are cars there. Um, it's, you're not seeing car dealership lots like they were over the past two years where they had maybe five or six cars in the front of the building and they were spacing them out. Like there were three parking spots between each car, just so they had something to show in the front. That's not the case anymore with most dealerships I'm seeing, at least in my area and I'm out of Annapolis, just outside of Annapolis, Maryland. And I'm seeing more and more cars on car lots. Um, I don't really know if they're new or used though, but I would imagine they're newer cars because these car dealerships are the new car dealerships are the ones that are showing more inventory. So I'm imagining they're new cars. Now I know each one has a used car portion of it, but 
But anyway, with more inventory though and higher interest rates, the buying is going to slow down. Um, and they need it to speed up because they have more inventory now. So I think car prices are going to fall more in January and February of this year. Now, keep an eye on March, April, May. That's taxes and tax returns. If tax returns are better than expected, car sales will go up. Now, will it mean that car prices will go up or down? Don't know. I think dealerships will have less incentive to bring prices down if they've got more buyers, um, especially if they're paying cash. Uh, but generally, tax return season is a good time for car dealerships anyway. Um, and especially if you had a lot of people that were waiting for car prices to come down, um, maybe this that's going to be their opportunity to stop waiting, or maybe they just don't have time to wait anymore and they got to buy something. So that'll be interesting to see in the... I, I, in just my opinion, I think January, February, I think prices come down. They're already coming down wholesale at the car auctions. They've they've come down. They've been coming down for the last six to eight months. Um, I think you most people were probably just waiting for some of these dealerships to clear inventory that they bought at the higher prices earlier on, and now that they're buying price, buying cars at, at more reasonable prices at the auction they can now charge less for some of these cars. So I th- I think that January, February, maybe even early March might be the best time to snag a used car deal. I think you're going to see the uptick again late March, April, May when tax returns come. And then over the summer months, you might see it kind of lag back down. Um, but you've also got the new cars, the, the new model years coming through. So that might be incentive for these car dealerships to get rid of last year's models as well. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I know I'm going to be keeping an eye on it. I mean, once I find a deal that I like, I mean, for me, I've been looking for that 06, 05, 06 Yukon Denali for right around nine grand with 130,000 miles on it. But, you know, I, I might stop waiting around because those, those are getting fewer and further between to find and in my area i think i found three and they were beat up <clears throat> and that's another thing the interiors in these things get beat up the paint gets beat up i mean shoot you're talking about a 15 16 year old car at this point i mean I, unless it's been garage kept i mean how, how how's it gonna look you know uh I may also start looking at Toyota Sequoias. Yeah, I'm going to pay more for it, but I also know there'll probably be less issues with it. Uh, I wouldn't have minded going with the Ford Expedition, but that 5.4 liter V8 with the three valve engine, it bothers me. I don't want to, it's got such a bad reputation at this point. Um, But that being said, I'm sure there's so many people that have had these things that nothing has ever happened with those engines. So, I'm I'm probably being over dramatic with that, um, and then of course I, I might just go the minivan route. Minivans are probably more useful and more uh, more practical for me anyway. For the few times I'm going to use it, so I don't know. I might be the most indecisive person when it comes to buying a three row third ve- third vehicle, but I think we I think but Mike and I have been talking about this for almost. Ever since we started this podcast, a little, probably a little bit later than that, so probably about at least a year. So, but anyway, I appreciate you listening. Sorry if this was a little bit uh, slow and monotonous, and hearing my just hearing my voice drawing on. But I appreciate you being here with me. Appreciate you listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share. Mike will be here in the next one. I appreciate you listening. Happy New Year to everybody. Hope your holidays were great. Yeah, I hope. Hope everyone has uh, gets good health, gets what they need, and maybe a few things they want. And hopefully, 
you'll keep coming back to this show and we will see you next time